Many of you do know me. Uh, some of you don't. I have served as a minister of the Presbyterian Church in a few congregations. Um, I've served overseas. Currently, I'm working for a thing called the Irish Churches Peace Project, where we're trying to get churches in different areas to do things together to build peace. Um, I started that. I left parish ministry in August and started this new job then. So obviously when you go through transitions like that, you begin to think about things. And, and uh, a few weeks ago in the Fitzroy, I did share some of my musings as to where I personally am at. And uh, this perhaps is a bit of a continuation of it. Um, working for the Irish Church's Peace Project, obviously been thinking about this little country that we live in. Um, things have improved, the levels of violence are down, and yet I think all of us know that things aren't quite right. Lack of violence does not equate to peace, as it's expressed in the Bible, or at least even perhaps in our own heads. The outbreaks of flags, protests, and parades disputes so how dissatisfied and alienated some people are. Our politicians are simply not able to deliver a shared future, it seems. Things are not right. And I think of myself. As I've got involved in this job, I, I like to think of myself, and always have done, I like to think of myself as part of the solution I'm open and I'm not sectarian. And yet I've had to reflect if that is true, why is it that I live in an area where I am surrounded by Protestant people? Why is it that my children are going to a school where they mix with Protestant people only, really? Why is it that among my close circle of friends... There are very few people who are Catholic. Something is not right. And I'm sorry to go on, but I am a person of passionate faith. And yet as I look around, I have to acknowledge that church numbers are declining dramatically. I have to acknowledge that in my last few years as, min as a minister of a church, one of the most common faith conversations I had with people was people who said, Peter, I've got faith and I want to take it seriously. Or Peter, I'm really searching for faith, looking for it. And do you know what? Church doesn't help. Something's not right. Something is wrong. This maybe is a little depressing. It's all too big, it's all too much. I want to crawl away into a little hole, into a little space, and to try and ignore it all. But what is the right response of people of faith? I want to very quickly look at two passages. One Old Testament, one New Testament. The first in the Old Testament goes back to a theme I did speak about the last time I was here in Fitzroy. The theme of exile. A time when 
when God's people had lived in their own country in Jerusalem, their faith was in a privileged position in society and everybody lived by it. But then Jerusalem was attacked and defeated by the superpower of the day. The sort of destruction that we see today in Syria, that is what they experienced. Harrowing, brutal, dehumanizing beyond our imagination. That's what their experience was. And they're deported from where they grew up and where they lived, and they're plonked down in the middle of this strange, hostile, all-powerful empire. What do we do now? How do we cope with this situation? Chris is going to come and read to us from Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 1 to 9. I, that's Jeremiah, wrote a letter to the priests, the prophets, the leaders of the people, and to all the others whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken away as prisoners from Jerusalem to Babylonia. I wrote it after King Jehoiakim, his mother, the palace officials, the leaders of Judah, and and of Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the skilled workmen had been taken into exile. I gave the letter to Emesar, son of Shaphan, and to Gemariah, son of Hilkiah, whom King Zedekiah of Judah was sending to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylonia. It said, The Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those people whom he allowed Nebuchadnezzar to take away as prisoners from Jerusalem to Babylonia, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what you grow in them. Marry and have children. Then let your children get married so that they also may have children. You must increase in numbers and not decrease. Work for the good of the cities where I have made you go as prisoners. Pray to me on their behalf, because if they are prosperous, you will be prosperous too. I, the Lord, the God of Israel, warn you not to let yourself be deceived by the prophets who live among you or by any others who claim they can predict the future. Do not pay any attention to their dreams. They are telling you lies in my name. I do not send them. I, the Lord Almighty, have spoken. Can we get the PowerPoint up? What do you say to people who've been carried into exile, gone through all that trauma, forced to live in a place they do not want to be? How do we live when things aren't going the way that we want Ancient advice for a contemporary world. We'll go on to the next slide. What does Jeremiah say to the people? The well, first point will appear magically or not. Oops. Hey, there we go. Live in the now. 
The people could not forget their past, what it was like when they lived in Jerusalem. There was a temptation, though, to hanker back to the old days, to the good days, to be stuck in sorrow for what was lost. That was good, but it was not the reality of now. They could long for a future that might be different. Plenty of people were saying that, yes, God is bound to intervene. He's bound to turn things around to let us return home. But Jeremiah says, don't listen to them. This is the reality God has given to you now. It may not be what you have chosen and it may not be what you want but live in the reality of now. The contemplative tradition in Christianity has reflected this. The only day in which you can serve God is today. The only day you can know God is today. The only day you can experience God is today. Second thing, Jeremiah says to them, seek the peace and the prosperity of the city. This to people who've been ripped out of where they came from and plonked down in a hostile empire. They had good reason to wish ill on the city that they'd been brought to. And Jeremiah says, no, don't. There was a strong temptation to begin to look inwards, to focus on our own community, on our own concerns, when you're a small minority in a hostile environment. Jeremiah says, no, recognize that you are a distinct community, yes, but you are part of this society. Seek, seek the welfare, seek the peace, seek the prosperity of this community that you've been a part of, even if you do not particularly like it. And he goes on to say the third point, maintain faith. You are, yes, called to be involved, called to engage, but don't forget that you are the people of God. There was a temptation to completely assimilate with this culture. If this is the dominant culture, the dominant power that's around us, some people said, well, let's, well, is God worth following at all? Should we not just get on with it and accept the reality in a way that just says this is the power or these are the powers that are here and we will bow down to them. Jeremiah says, no, don't do that. But that leaves a complex tension. How, how do you seek the welfare and the prosperity and get involved in the life of this place and at the same time still be faithful to the God who has called you? That's not easy. I think these three points, they resonate with me. 
for the context I think that we are in. Live in the now. Live faithfully in the now. Try and figure out what that means. One of the problems, biggest problems facing us in the Irish Church's Peace Project and getting churches involved is the sheer busyness of most churches. There's no space, there's no room. We're all so busy doing our activities and keeping it all going. There's a real danger of looking inwards and not seeking the peace and the prosperity of the society around us. And there's a danger, there's a danger that there's actually not much room for God in all of it either. There's not much room to be still and know that I am God. And yet if we're going to maintain faith, if we're going to try and figure out how do we balance involvement in this strange new world that we inhabit? How are we going to get involved and yet maintain faith and maintain a distinct community? How can we think those things through if we do not have time and space to do it? How do we do this? Well, I said we should live in the now, but also I think we should be dreamers. And we should look to the future. We need to have dream dreams that are informed by our faith in the God of Israel, the God of Jeremiah, the God of Jesus Christ. What sort of dreams, what sort of vision, what sort of future are we talking about? Chris is going to come and read Revelation chapter 21, 1 to 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth disappeared, and the sea vanished. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared and ready like a bride dressed to meet her husband. I heard a loud voice speaking from the throne. Now God's home will be with, is with human beings. He will live with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and he will be their God. He will wipe away all tears from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more grief, or crying, or pain. The old things have disappeared. We have a vision of the future that we believe will happen. A dream that we should be working towards and seeking to put into action. A dream that should infect our vision of the now. 
When we talk of a shared future for Northern Ireland, have you ever sat down to imagine what it might actually look like? I'm going to read a sort of meditation that was already um, originally written about Glasgow. I've amended it to fit us, inspired by the passage that Chris just read that gives us a vision for the future. I saw a vision. It was last Thursday at 11 o'clock in the morning. I was standing on Cave Hill looking down over the city. And the cold blue winter sky broke open above my head and the Spirit of God breathed on my eyes and my eyes were opened. I saw Belfast, the holy city, coming down out of heaven, shining like a rare jewel, sparkling like clear water in the eye of the sun. And all the sickness was gone from the city. There were no more suburbs and estates, no difference between Malone Road and Knocknagunny. I saw the lagon running with the water of life, as bright as crystal, as clear as glass, and the children of Belfast swimming in it. And the Spirit showed me the tree of life growing in Stormont Park. I looked out, and there were no more homeless people, no more women working the streets, no more needles in the valleys. HIV and AIDS were things of the past. There were no more racist attacks, no more gay bashing, no more rapists, no more punishment shootings, no more antagonism between Protestants and Catholics, no more IRA graffiti, no more Protestant protests about marches because there was no more hate. And I saw women walking safe at nights, saw the men were full of passion and gentleness, And that none of the children were ever abused because the people's sex was full of justice and joy. I saw an old woman throw back her head and laugh like a young girl. And when the sky closed back, her laughter rang in my head for days and days and would not go away. This is what I saw looking over Belfast looking up from the city of death. And I knew then that there would be a day of resurrection. And I believe there will be a day of resurrection. I'm going to put up some words for a prayer. And there will be bits in bold that we will all say together as we go through this. But I start off. Christ of the new day, who left the shadow of death behind and rose with the morning, reinvigorate us, your people, to live lives shaped by resurrection, that we may seek your kingdom in the restoration of the broken that we might see your glory in reclaimed, long-forgotten places, that we might dare to seek you wherever you might call us. 
Amen.